Thanks for joining us for another phenomenal message from C3 Church in San Diego, California. For more info on C3 Church, go to c3sandiego.com. We've had such a ball. It's been stunning. I just love meetings like that. I get touched by them as much as anyone else does, I think. And uh, I find that uh, when we are, there's, there's no shortage of God's grace for us if we just humble ourselves and make room for Him to move. And uh, God is wanting to do more in your life than you ever realize. I think sometimes we wait for the dramatic and overlook the simple and the daily walk and the small things. It's often the small things. And what I'm going to share with you this morning is just very alive in my life again. Um, it's just something fresh that God's been working my own heart on. And uh, even this morning gave me fresh insight on it. So I'm going to, I'm going to share a message on forgiveness this morning. And, uh, just, and, and uh, just an aspect of it uh, that you may not have considered, but will just challenge you to have a look at how you relate with people and what is going on in our hearts really. Before I do that, uh, um, Jürgen's encouraged me to just speak a little bit about something great that's happening. We've got just something. I, I came over here and actually I was quite crying on the, t- on the, uh, on the plane because uh, my son, uh, my eldest son and, and daughter-in-law and three of our 15 grandchildren uh, uh, have just made a decision and uh, left on Saturday for Pakistan. And they're going over there to live. Uh, we're not too sure how long. And uh, I want to just share with you, of course, we're feeling the loss of it deeply and uh, just the grief of letting them go and going to a place where there's danger uh, and, uh, and tremendous danger, but where there's great opportunity. And I just want to share with you just for a few minutes, just a little about this. Uh, about three years ago, I got a phone call uh, I got a phone call and Lord, brother Mike, I am reading and watching you on the television. And I think, oh, I know what's coming now. And uh, anyway, so this Pakistani man had rung me and he'd seen me on City Harvest TV, had seen me on the uh, internet and seen the deliverance and already uh, must be coming to Pakistan. And uh, so, you know, I was on, oh yes, of course. And so, and uh, so anyway, we're on the phone <laughs> talking to him and uh, and uh, he began to share about his ministry in Pakistan and asked, he gave me an invitation to come. And actually, I had a full year. I wasn't able to come, but I felt the Lord speak, offer to send your son. And so I said, look, I said, Amwar, I'd love to come and I'd love to be able to help, but uh, let me just uh, send my son and a team over and we'll pray for them. And say, we don't want to be a burden for you, whatever they can do to help. He can minister like I can in deliverance. And so I'm, I'm sure he'd be a blessing to you. So uh, he said, yes, we'd love that very much. And uh, so we sent my son and a youth team over there. And uh, I checked this guy out on the internet and uh, found out a bit about his ministry. And uh, the, this man, Anwar Fazal, that we've now formed a connection with and a partnership with, and uh, we're sowing our family in and uh, finance in, uh, he was formerly an intelligence officer with the Pakistan military. And he was a well-positioned, very highly placed uh, intelligence officer in the Secret Service. Uh, I think most of us, when we think of Pakistan, you just think of uh, bombs, terrorists, Muslims, and, and uh, why don't we put a big bomb there and solve the problem? And uh, <laughs> so, the tendency is to have our view shaped by the media rather than our view shaped by heaven. And so I listened to his story and uh, he was an intelligence officer and he's working in his office one day and the Holy Ghost came supernaturally upon him and uh, he had such a, uh, an encounter with God. He was out to it, filled with the Holy Ghost, babbling in tongues and uh, his colleagues couldn't stir him out of this so they took him to the doctor 
They tried to give him sedatives. They plugged him several times with injections. Nothing worked, just kept babbling in tongues. And, and he was really out to have an encounter with God, which lasted about three hours. <laughs> After that, he was dramatically converted and, and requested to leave the secret service. And uh, they wouldn't let him go. So he just prayed and believed God. God, I'm called to ministry. Go and do something. And uh, one day the, his boss rang him up and, and he said, uh, I need to talk with you. Someone came to my house last night. And he said, yeah, I know you've had a visit, haven't you? And he said, yes, he said it was Jesus Christ, wasn't it? And the guy said, yes, how did you know? And Jesus appeared to his boss, said, this is my servant. You must release him to the call of God. And so the, the, the boss was terrified, couldn't wait to get rid of him. Uh, and uh, so out he went. And uh, all the money, all the property he'd gained by, uh, by, um, by ill-gotten means or corruption, he gave it all back, gave everything back, didn't want to have anything, just wanted to start with Jesus Christ. So he began to preach on the streets and get Muslims saved by the miracle power of God. Tremendous miracles, healing miracles of all kinds. And God has raised this man up and uh, his church in uh, Pakistan and Lahore is somewhere between uh, 15 and 30,000 people. And uh, they have weekly meetings of 15 to 20,000 people, uh, Muslims coming to get saved. God has given him immense favor in the nation. He's uh, connected to the prime minister and government officials, connected and has great favor with the grand imam, who has the biggest uh, mosque in that part of the world. And uh, the grand imam, is uh, his heart is uh, knitted with Anwar. And uh, he, is, um, he just sends his, uh, if any Muslims are sick, he sends them to Amwar's crusades to get to know Jesus and to get healed by Jesus. And Muslims are coming to Christ in their thousands. It's just absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And uh, if, you, if you want to look on uh, YouTube, you can look at uh, Isaac TV, Isaac TV or uh, Anwar Fazal, F-A-Z-A-L, and you'll see the power of God sweeping through thousands of Muslims in the meetings, people dramatically healed and changed. It's just stunning. And so he's grown uh, and raised up people and released them, and uh, he now has uh, about 20,000 groups planted around Pakistan with the numbers of Christians in there involving somewhere around about three-quarters of a million. And it's just a phenomenal influence. He started a cable TV in Lahore, which reaches about 4 million people, about 500 inquiries every day, and uh, people are constantly streaming in to get saved. But he has this amazing grace and love for Muslims and is fearless. He says things that you think, my goodness, if I said anything like that, you know, I'm going to get killed for that. I'll create a riot for sure. But he's got so much love in him. He's got favor right through to government level. Extraordinary, extraordinary influence. And uh, so I sent my son over there. Dave came back with just these amazing reports of the miracle meetings. Of course, there is danger there in every meeting. I mean, this is a lovely meeting here, but if you're in the meeting in Pakistan, you would have around the room here, you'd have men carrying AK-47s and shotguns loaded with uh, uh, um, yeah, buckshot because of the, the potential danger of terrorism and, uh, and attacks on their meetings. Uh, everywhere Dave went, they had an armed guard with them. So it, it's not a peaceful place. But the Muslims themselves are not at peace either, and they want peace. I believe everywhere people want peace. And so the Muslim mosques are being bombed, and uh, so many Muslims stay home and watch television. So television's a way into homes all over that area. 
So uh, Dave came back, so we sent Dave up with another team uh, and brought a lot of the young people up. I thought young people need adventure, nothing like going to a wild place where you can see deliverance and have action and carry a gun. I mean, it's great. <laughs> it's like going down the south of America, isn't it? <laughs> a redneck country. And uh, it, it's fantastic. So they went over there and, uh, and they came back and many of these young lives were dramatically changed. Uh, Dave went over, I think, on, a, on another visit, and uh, while he's preaching there, one meeting, uh, his interpreter, uh, he, was Jesus, uh, he was preaching about Jesus and how the demons interrupted Jesus' meeting, and with that, his interpreter dropped dead, virtually on the verse, and uh, just dropped dead, totally dead. They checked him out. Dave had a policeman with him. He checked him out. He said, the guy's dead. He's gone. No pulse, eyes straight, staring out. There's no one home. And uh, Dave immediately just leapt to him and laid hands on him, commanded the spirit deaf to leave him. They propped him up and uh, within a half an hour, he was back on his feet preaching again. So just extraordinary miracles. And uh, next night, thousands, th they had 30,000 at the next night meeting, word got out, and over 5,000 Muslims came and gave their life to Christ. So just, it's just phenomenal. This is a ground God is moving. You know, wherever there is sorrow, God always wants to bring hope. He's a God of hope. Wherever there's pain and suffering, God wants to bring hope. So David's been over there again, and he got to speak at a peace conference where the prime minister was there, and the, 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 uh, the, the head of all of these different religions were all there. They've got to be able to speak uh, a message of it's time for change, and uh, there are many others speaking there. But just to see my own son there, and he's up, and you see all these mullahs with their long beards and, and these people with turbans and stuff, and government officials, and God gave him a voice to speak. And so we've uh, raised some finance. We felt that we would uh, get a ticket, get the t he wants to set a satellite TV station up and uh, so he can broadcast right through Pakistan, right up into the Middle East, 1050, 1040 window, which reaches millions and millions of people in the Middle East. And so God is moving extremely powerfully. Uh, we started to raise funds to finance the station. We've sent Dave up there now. He will manage the TV station and uh, be a, a doorway for ministries from the West, power ministries. The Muslims respond to power, not just a lot of words. They want the power of God. And so uh, we'll be, he'll be working there to develop the TV station, to develop an English service, and then also to develop some uh, local business projects that can help fund the work of God over there. It's a very, uh, it's a very dangerous place. Uh, it's on edge. It's a, it's a place where you're on edge and the power is raw. So it's no place for sissies to go, but uh, it's a place where men of faith go. So Dave and Kate, Dave and Kate both had a word, a very clear word from God. We've uh, raised finance for them to support them and get them going. And so I said to our church, you know, God is enlarging our territory. This is the greatest opportunity we have to make an impact that will touch millions. So it's, a, it's just amazing what God is doing. But, you know, of course, there's a personal price you'll pay. There's nothing advances without someone going to and laying down their life on an altar and making room for God to move. So it's just fantastic. I encourage you to have a look on the, on the, uh, on the website. Have a look at uh, Isaac Tifi or uh, Anwar Fazal and have a look at the miracle meetings there. You will be stunned at what you see. I, I would never have thought of that in my life, nor thought of going there, much less I never thought of my family going there. And uh, so God is just amazing in how when we put our hand up and say, God, I really want to make my life count. You know, when Dave was asking me, what did I think when he was considering going up? I said, Dave, in a, in a person's lifetime, 
you, you sometimes will have a window of opportunity open up that would never repeat. It's like a chance for greatness. And I said, you're ready for it. I said, you'd never want to look back when the last days of your life come and say, God gave me an opportunity, but I didn't take it. I said, Dave, let go all the security. Let go everything you've uh, got here and go to that place. I said, you will never regret it. When you get the end of your life, you will look back and you will say, I thank God I let go and went. You say amen? Amen. We had a, uh, another pastor in our church uh, uh, who, who did our building project. God spoke to me that this time the doors to Ukraine were open up, the iron curtain came down, and I felt God speak, release him to go to the mission field. So we invested in him, so did him at the mission field, and uh, he made connection, divine connections. And from that, uh, a number of churches have been started up in Ukraine and Israel and a whole range of places. I was talking to him just the other day, and he said, you know, he said, he said this, if I never did another thing for the Lord for the rest of my life, I would be content with what I've been able to accomplish. Now, but he went up there, endured hardship and difficulty and, and uh, danger, got thrown into jail, all that kind of stuff. But the gospel advanced. It helps us to remember that the gospel you and I have was paid for by the price of men who said, we will follow Christ and we will go. We live in a culture which is self-indulgent. We need again the spirit of Christianity to come back again. Men and women who laid their lives down and said, I'll go, I'll go for Jesus. You say, man, let's give a lot of clap, shall we? Praise the Lord. Wonderful Jesus. Well, thank you, Pastor Jürgen and Leah, for having us here. It's been wonderful. I've been loving here. It's a great church. Love the presence of God here. Every meeting I've gone into, I felt touched by God. And, and someone come and put their arm on me because they saw me crying. I said, that's okay. You know, it's all right to get encounters with God and to weep and to enjoy His presence and to feel Him speaking. I want you to open your Bible with me in uh, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And uh, Jesus... Uh, spoke many things. This parable here, this story here is, uh, uh, God just gave me some fresh insight to it. I want to share it with you because it's going to help you. It's on the, the issue of forgiveness, the principle of forgiveness. Would you rather be right or would you rather have relationship? Would you rather be right or would you rather have relationship? You know, in Ephesians 5, we're called uh, to walk in love or to be imitators of Christ to be followers of Christ, imitators of Christ, and walk in love as He walked in love. So you're not called to imitate the world. We're not called to be copiers or to be like the world. We're called to actually have Jesus Christ as our model, the one who shows us how to live life, how to do life, and how to relate. If you want to understand the heart of God, look at Jesus and how, how He related. Don't just read the Gospels to learn some truth or Bible story, some kind of like that. Read it to see how Jesus interacted with people and you'll begin to understand the heart of God and the tremendous love and grace that flowed through Him. So G, uh, Peter came up in verse 21 and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How about seven times? That sounds pretty good. I'll forgive him seven times. It's really big of me, you know. And uh, Jesus said, oh, well, uh, I tell you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, now that's kind of a continued flow of forgiveness. That's an awful lot of forgiving, isn't it? And uh, so therefore, now he says, 
he speaks about the kingdom. Now he's talking about the kingdom of God, the, the flow of God's life, the flow of God's miracle power and grace. And he's giving an important principle how it's released in our lives and released through our lives. We tend to look for experiences all the time. We want some dramatic experience or some great thing. My, my walk has shown me that they're few and far between. I don't have dramatic experiences with God. I have encounters from time to time where he deeply touches me. But the rest of the time, it's simply a walk where you make a choice how you're going to live your life. Whether you walk humbly with God, whether you just walk in the principles of God's word and walk trusting him, if you will do what he says to do, he in turn will give you what he says he'll give. And uh, Jesus uh, spoke very clearly that if we walk in his commandments or walk in love, then we will experience his love and the Father's love as well. So you cannot divorce your walk with God from how you connect and relate with people. There is, you cannot separate the two. How you walk and connect with people reflects how you're walking with God. The problems and challenges you face with people reveal what really is inside your heart and your need for more of the grace of God. So you don't know whether that difficult person that came to you, whether that problem you're facing, you do not know whether it's uh, God actually has permitted this in your life to get a mirror into your heart, how you really think, what you really are like on the inside, and your own need for more grace, your own need to know God in a greater way. And uh, so we're going to go through this story, and I'll just highlight just something I felt the Lord showed me today, which stunned me, really, and uh, it's got me thinking about it a lot. So the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And uh, when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's a heap of money. It's about 75 pounds of gold. That's an awful lot of money. And so he was not able to pay and so the master, uh, as the master commanded, so the master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children, all he had, and payment be made. So here's a man who has a huge debt. He is completely unable to pay the debt. The debt is bigger than he can possibly do. He comes to the master, and the master is now going to put him in prison, and not only he will pay, notice this, it will affect his marriage and his children. Okay, just note that for the moment. And then uh, go on. Then the, the servant sat down before him and said, Master, have patience. I'll work it all off. I'll pay it all for you. And the master was moved with compassion. Now, this is a parable of the kingdom. So it's about the king. This is about God himself. And it says he's moved with compassion when he saw someone who was in desperate strait, who had no resources or capacity to put right the debt. He was moved with compassion. Compassion always does something. And he forgave or released the debt. You don't have to pay. We cancel the debt. The charge sheet says zero. You are free from all of that. And so the servant there was, of course, very, very delighted. So that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, denarii is about a day's wage. So I don't know what it is. Maybe anywhere between, I say, up to $100 or something like that. So he owed him not very much. And he took hands and laid hold of him. He took him by the throat. Now, you can see the anger over this issue. He took him by the throat, shook him, said, pay what you owe. And then the fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me, I'll pay you all. He did exactly what he'd done. 
And so he bowed down. He bowed, and no, notice what the guy does. He said, but he would not. He was hard in his heart. He went and he threw him into prison so he should pay the debt. And when the fellow, debtor, fellow servants saw that he'd done, they were incredibly grieved and came and told their master all that he'd done. And the master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant as I had compassion on you? And the master then was angry, delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now, you might have a lot of understandings of the story, but Jesus puts the application at the end. So then, my heavenly Father shall also do to you. Who's he talking to? Who are the you? The you are the disciples, the followers of Jesus. This is not about unsaved people. It's not about unsaved. It may apply there, but the disciple was the one who asked the question. He's talking to the disciples. And he said, so shall my heavenly father do to you. What shall he do to you? Well, exactly what the king in the story did. And we're going to look at that in a moment. He shall do, if you from your heart do not forgive his brother, everyone his trespasses. Notice what, this, what the king is saying, or what Jesus is saying. He's saying there is a consequence for not keeping your heart free from unforgiveness. There is a very serious consequence, something that happens in your life, and a consequence of that action is, uh, uh, is, is what he, he, I'm going to describe in a moment. But he says, not only going to affect you, it'll affect your wife and your children. So I want to go back and have a look then at the story so we can understand. When it's quite normal for all of us in life to experience hurts, disappointments, and injustices. It's part of life. Get used to it. You're going to get to heaven. It'll be nice in heaven, but now you live on earth, and in earth, there's hurts, injustices, there's things go wrong, there's tragedies, there's suffering, there's all kinds of stuff happen. That's where we live, and we're called to bring into the world where we live the kingdom of heaven, and so this is what this parable is about. Now, when you forget what God's done to you, you're going to tend to then and lose gratitude for what Jesus has done. You're going to have another look at how people respond to you. Now, every time people treat you badly, you have a choice how you respond. Now, listen, you can respond with the law or you can respond with grace. And when you look at the story here, the story seems so hard. I've looked at it, I've read it many, many times, of course. And, then, and I thought, man, that's pretty hard, you know. Delivered him over to the torturers. So the torturers uh, that Jesus is talking about in the story, the torturers are demonic spirits. Demonic spirits torture people. Demonic spirits torment them. Torment their mind, torment their emotions, torment their bodies with sicknesses, diseases, and uh, relentlessly attack to destroy everything that's of value to you. Destroy your personal life, your walk with God, your finances, your health, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your children. Demons are out to destroy. Jesus said they're a thief. They come to steal something from you to destroy your life. So demonic spirits are, are a reality. And their mission is to destroy you, to destroy what God wants to give to you. They want you to be cursed, not blessed. You choose whether you're cursed or blessed. You choose the path you walk. Now, you notice what happens when you see here, 
You notice, this is, when I looked at this, I found, man, this seems really hard. The guy had had all his debts canceled. Now, we understand what that means. It means all his failures, everything recorded against him, all the sin in his life had been forgiven. In other words, the sheet is clean. Now he ends up, and the sheet is not clean, the sheet is back in operation again, and demons have a legal right to gain access to his life. What on earth happened in this story? What happened to this man? If you understand this, what was given to the man, what the man was called to do, he was called, and the list of his failures were read out. The list of his debt, what he was owing, was incredibly high. He was powerless to repay it. That is like you and me, our list of failures, our, our, our crimes and sins against God, because we sin primarily against God, are so big there's no way we could possibly pay it. So the only way you can get rid of the debt is by grace, by forgiveness, which is what the cross is about. So when you and I come to the cross of Jesus Christ, when we come to him and turn to him, we repent of our sin, we acknowledge our sin, we ask for him to forgive us, and we trust in his grace. By grace, you are saved through your believing. So when we come to Christ, our sins are forgiven. Now we have a clean slate. We are under grace. But to stay under grace, we must extend grace. Grace is not just something we receive. Grace is actually something you flow in as a lifestyle. Now you notice what he did. He came under grace. And while he was under grace, he was in the compassion of God, the mercy of God. His sins were forgiven. And so now he begins his walk. He's now come to the Lord. He's found grace. Now he goes out and he has an encounter with a fellow servant. The fellow servant here clearly is another Christian or another believer of some kind. It's another person. And as he looks at that person, he realizes, you have hurt me. You have hurt me. You've dealt to me wrong. And he felt anger rise in his heart as he thought about the actions of this other man. And instead of extending grace, he extended the law. I am right. You got to come up and pay. You got to apologize. You got to put this matter right. You, you got to do something to get this thing right. You got you to pay. You got to pay, man. You, I mean, and I'm right because what you did was wrong. So you understand, he's now in the place of the law. He would rather be right. Than, than have a relationship with the man. He would rather be right than extend grace. He would rather judge the person rather than forgive and release. So when he encounters the fellow servant, you notice he took him by the throat, that meaning he was angry. So he came out of the presence of the king in the flow of grace, came out of the meeting where he'd encountered God and received grace and his sins were forgiven. But now as he encounters another person, he has to decide whether he will come under, stay under grace or shift back under law. Now notice this, when something is done to you, when something hurts you, someone does something, it's not a matter of what you want to do to the person. It's really an issue of what you want to receive in your future. It's not what you want to do. You don't want to do the person. You want to smash them in the face. You know, and so people drive out. They're lovely and sweet in church. They drive out. Someone cuts them off. And next thing, and they're going like that, you know. And what happened? They moved out of grace, came under the law. 
She's very angry. I can remember I was working outside my house one time when I was in down in Dannyvirk, little town, and uh, our kids are out sort of on the street. They weren't our kids. And I'm just doing some work trying to get a fence all up. And this lady comes out, old lady coming from over the road. She starts yelling out. So I'm working. I hear this voice yelling out at me. And I look and yelling out. I thought, I wonder who she's yelling at. Can't be yelling at me. Why would she be yelling at me? And she's yelling out and she's going on and yelling and yelling. I'm thinking, Hey, it looks like me she's yelling at. Why do I, I'm just doing, I'm minding my business. You know, just doing my work. And she starts yelling out at me, yelling and yelling and yelling. And, and then she's yelling me about being a terrible father and irresponsible father. And, and I'm thinking, what? And so I start to feel angry. And the thought that rose up in my mind, you silly old woman, you drink too much, your nose is red and here you are abusing. I felt that. That was the first thoughts. And, uh, but I allowed grace to rise and went down to her and I said, excuse me, there seems to be something wrong. Something's troubling you. Can you tell me what the problem is? And she was really angry and I just kept talking quiet voice because a soft voice turns away anger. Just asked her what her problem I just kept asking questions which forced her to get out of yelling at me to start to answer me. And then I said, what is the problem? She said, she said, uh, she said, um, she said, it's those children playing on the street. And I said, what's the problem? And she said, uh, you should be looking after your children. I said, they're not my children. And uh, I said, what is the difficulty you have? And she said, well, they might get killed. And I said, well, how would they get killed? Said, well, someone might come around the road and, and kill them, uh, drive them around and drive into them. I said, well, it's quite possibly true. And uh, why are you concerned? And then it turns out, she said, well, my husband might run them over. And then it got down to what the real problem was. The real problem was... Her husband was ill and she was fearful of him dying. So we got from her yelling at me to the root of the real problem, which was she was afraid of her husband dying and being left on her own. Now, what she was yelling at me over was unrelated completely to what the real issue was in her heart. But by extending grace rather than judgment, I was able to flow into her heart and life and she moved from being an enemy to a great friend and connected with us quite closely. So you choose when people hurt you, you make a decision and the choices about whether you want to give them something bad or whether you want to do something that'll shape a good future for yourself. So notice what happens here. The guy had received grace, but then he operated under the law. Now, when you under, operate under the law, you come out from grace. So now you see why his charge sheet then became back in operation. He moved from having all his sins and transgressions forgiven. He moved to having them all reinstated again legally. And because they were reinstated legally, then demons had a legal right to have access to his life, to come into his life, and to torment him. He made the decision that determined what kind of future he had, a future of blessing or a future of cursing. He made the decision when he faced a fellow servant whether he operated in grace or operated under the law. The law points out faults, the law accuses, the law judges, the law condemns, the law vindicates itself and proves the others a criminal. Grace said, I'll give you what you don't deserve. He received what he didn't deserve. In order to retain the flow of grace, he needed to give what was not deserved. And by not giving what was deserved, he shifted and came back under the law and demons have a legal right to access his life. 
People do not understand. This is a principle that Jesus taught. Now, the devil is a legalist. In Revelations 12.10, he accuses the brethren. So one of the major faults of, uh, works of the, the devil is he's called the accuser, and day and night he finds fault with you. He points out your faults, points out your shortcomings, tries to shame you, tries to judge you, tries to get you into a place of condemnation and guilt. The Bible says we overcome him by what Jesus has done for us and by our acknowledgement of that through our testimony and our lifestyle. Notice, they overcame the accuser, the one who finds faults and judges them, by the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus did for us on Calvary, paid the price for our sins, by the word of their testimony, confessing to it, and, notice, and they love not their lives unto death. That's literally a lifestyle that puts to death the natural tendency of wanting to be angry, to vindicate yourself, to attack people, to judge people, to reject people, and extend to them the grace you've had extended to you. What an amazing, amazing parable in here. And so you and I make decisions. Now, of course, there's many examples of it. Let me just give you two of them. You find the story of Joseph. Now, Joseph was a man who was treated terribly unjustly. Uh, he was betrayed by his brothers. They were jealous of him. They hated him. They spoke against him. They uh, then sold him off into slavery. He went off to Egypt. He was treated as a slave, stripped, put up there on the stand, sold off naked uh, to the highest bidder. And then, uh, but he kept a gracious spirit. And the Bible says, and the favor of God was on him, or the grace of God remained on him. So he walked in grace consistently. He was the one whose father loved him. So he experienced the love of the father. He walked in the father's love and extended grace continually. He then got treated to a false accusation of rape, uh, was judged, found guilty, put into jail, sent down to the bottom level of the jail. Again, he remained in grace. And so the Bible says God gave him great favor or grace and he prospered where he was. Now, he made choices that determined his future. We look at it and we think, oh man, a lucky guy. Hey, no, there's no lucky guy. There's actually the principles of God. There's grace and walking in grace. He made decisions. Now, how do we know he made decisions? Very simply, because when his brothers came to him in a desperate need later on, he was in a position where he was the one who was next to the Pharaoh. God, notice what the Bible says, God made him a father to the Pharaoh. In other words, he had the heart of the father in him. He became a spiritual father to the king of the land. And he managed the whole affairs of the nation. This guy had incredible favor. How did he get incredible favor? In the face of injustice and trouble, he made choices that determined a favorable future. He made choices. It wasn't what happened to him. It's the choices he made. How do we know he made the choices? Because when his brothers came, he was in a position, hey, what comes round goes round. You're going to get yours now. He was in a place to make them pay. Instead of that, he said, notice what he said. It's found in Genesis 45. He said this, you did not send me here. Hello? Are you giddy? Are you on something? He said, God sent me here. His perspective is one of what is God doing in my life. You happen to be the instruments. What you did was wrong. What you did was evil. But nevertheless, he said, God was sending me here to raise me up 
to actually bless you and save you and act for the cause of God in the future. He said, don't condemn yourselves or put yourselves down. He extended grace, not judgment to them. They expected judgment and were terrified when they met him. He extended grace to them. He had obviously forgiven them. How about Jesus? Now, if you were choosing a team and you think Jesus prays and he gets to hear from the Father and gets to know a lot and he knows what's going on in the hearts of men, ask yourself this question. How could someone so smart have chosen such a loser as Judas? He spent a whole night in prayer and fasting before he chose his apostles. He had hundreds to choose from. He chose 12 after a night in prayer and fasting. How come he got to choose Judas? Would you have chosen Judas? Well, maybe he didn't know what was going on in his heart. No, the Bible says he knew what was in him. He knew what was in him. Yet he reached out and he offered grace to someone who had wrong motives in his heart. Now, what was Judas doing? All the time, Judas is with, Jesus is reaching out and he gives him opportunity. He gives him grace. He extends grace to this man who doesn't deserve it. He gets him in the ministry team. He gives him room to minister. He launches him out. Think this, Judas went out preaching the kingdom and doing miracles. Come on, he went out with the other 12. They all went out doing miracles, casting out demons, moving in the supernatural, but his heart wasn't right. He flowed in the power of God. You can flow in the power of God and still not be right in your heart. So here he is moving in the power of God. Jesus not only did that, Jesus got down knowing he's about to betray him. He gets down and washes his feet, acts as a servant to serve him. Then he sits at table, invites him into friendship and offers him bread, the bread of friendship. Then when he sees Judas with the soldiers coming to him, and he still reaches out to him and calls him friend. Now, often we just overlook it all. I know you knew it all, but have you actually thought what Jesus is modeling for us? He is modeling grace. This is what grace looks like. This is how grace operates. If there'd been no Judas, there'd have been no cross, and we would have not benefited. But there was a Judas he had a chance to repent. Unfortunately, he did not repent. And uh, he just, in remorse because of what he'd done, uh, he, he committed suicide. So it was a very, very sad day for that man. But here's the thing to say, is Jesus modeled how to handle people who cause us pain. You extend grace, not judgment to them. You have to flow in grace. So all the time Judas was there, Judas was was a, a, an irritant to keep him depending on the Father's grace to be able to run his life and his ministry. Come on, think about it. Judas was ripping off the money. He knew he was ripping off the money. Now you see, of course, our thing is, the moment we found anything like that, we immediately judge, condemn, and we're right. And we would be rather right and see they get punished than have relationship. When someone in the church sins and falls, well, we're right and they're really wrong. They need to be punished. It's not fair if they don't get punished. And so when grace is extended, well, that's not fair. We've forgotten we got saved by grace. That grace was given to you and me. That grace is the nature of God. The law came by Moses, grace and truth by Jesus Christ. And He wants us not just to experience the grace, but to release that grace to others. 
and you don't know how legalistic, how tight, how bitter, how twisted, how full of pride, how, how full of judgment you are until someone comes in your path that irritates you, upsets you, hurts you and offends you and you have a choice what you'll come into in your future, more grace, closer to God, or whether judgment and demonic oppression. You choose. God doesn't choose. He just tells you the way. God, you, you know, it's an amazing story, isn't it? Notice what Jesus, uh, the master, called the, student, the servant. The master, after he called him, said, you wicked servant. Now, you've got to remember, this is a parable of the kingdom. The servant, this, the king represents God. The kingdom is the kingdom of God. The servant is the servant of God. This is one of God's family. It's a believer. Now, he called him a wicked servant. That word wicked is not a word like intrinsically evil. It's a word meaning you have a harmful influence. You have a negative influence. You have a destructive influence because you're not representing my kingdom. You're representing something else. So when Christians harbor judgment, bitterness, uh, they harbor unforgiveness, they harbor self-righteousness and pride. Rather be right, harbor offenses, build walls in the heart and keep people out. When Christians do that, this is called wicked because it has a hurtful, destructive influence in the family of God. And it removes them from being under grace and puts them back under law, and they became legalistic. And what you find is, when your heart is under law, you can't love people. There's no flow from the heart. There's what's called cold love. Oh, hello, nice to meet you. And you can feel the wall of the heart not reaching out to love and embrace and flow to people. You see, you can't walk in love. Love's not just about a decision to do right. Love is a flow of grace out of your heart to people. It is felt. You can say all the right things, do all the right things, but not be in love. Love is something that flows from your heart. Uh, Romans 5, the love of God flows at our heart by the Holy Ghost. It's something people feel. People feel if your heart reaches out and opens your arm to welcome them, embrace them, accept them, value them, and so on. People feel it. And they also feel if you've got a wall of offense in your heart if you've got a wall that keeps them out. And so we're called to represent Jesus Christ. We're called to walk in love. And so one of the ways we walk in love is we receive grace for our own failings and shortcomings, and we extend the same grace to those who are around us. Doesn't mean we don't talk about issues, but you can't talk about the issues if your heart is full of anger. You can't go to sort something out with someone if your heart is full of anger. And there'll be people sitting here today and in your heart, it's full of anger, full of, full of bitterness, full of, uh, of disappointments. And rather than come to the Lord and find grace to grow in character and, and come into a new dimension with God, you've just let it sit there. There's a need to deal with it. This parable is a parable about how we relate when people fail. So often people, when they fail experience judgment and a wall of separation. And it's more about us feeling vindicated, we didn't do that, than about actually representing God and extending grace and forgiveness. 
the more a person is prominent in ministry, the more the finger pointing and judgment comes. And those people that do that move out of grace and come under law and their own lives are troubled, tormented, and all kinds of things come in. What an amazing story. Jesus said this. I'll just finish with a scripture. Luke chapter 6. He said, if you do good to those who do good to you, what grace is on your life? Sinners can do that. Don't have to be saved. If you're kind to those who are kind to you, well, what kind of grace is on your life? Well, uh, unsaved people do that. If you lend to those who lend to you, lend hoping to get something back, he said, well, what kind of deal's that? You know, they do that in the world. You don't have to be a Christian to do that. But he said, if you can do good to those who do harm to you, if you can bless those who curse you, if you can lend not hoping to get anything back. Now, that's what he says. He says, then you shall be sons of my Father. You shall experience the reality of intimacy as a child with the Father God. And he said, and your reward shall be great. In other words, as you operate that way, you are preparing a future of blessing, of reward, of growth, of grace, of enlargement in your life. But he said, that's then straight after that, he says, so don't judge or you'll come into judgment. So anytime I begin to find the fault in someone, begin to judge them, now I might be right, I might be completely right, but my spirit is wrong. What happens then is I unlock for myself, now I come under judgment, demonic spirits have access to my life. Horrendous, isn't it? He says, then he says, give and it'll be given to you. Give what? Give forgiveness, give grace, give kindness, give love, release people. So God wants to challenge us in that area. So wonder today in your own heart how you've responded to the way you've been treated. Think about your father, your mother, siblings, relatives, people you've had dealings with. How have you responded when you felt hurt, treat badly and unjustly? Did you find the grace of God in your heart to release forgiveness and prepare a future blessing for you? Or did you in your heart hold the offense, harbor it because you were right and they were wrong and hold a judgment in your heart, offense in your heart and then open your life to a life of torment. Lock yourself into the offenses that they cause. Listen, we're called to walk in love. You know, just while I was even standing here in the meeting worshiping, thinking about this message, I felt God showed me with one of my sons where he'd met judgment rather than grace. And I start to weep because I realize, God, I, I failed to represent your love. It's no wonder he's had some struggles in his life. I need to go to him and ask forgiveness. Now, was I right? Yes, I was right. Was he wrong? Yes, he was wrong. That's not the point. I didn't bring the grace and love of God and represent it to him right. So I need to repent and put that right. I wonder today how many people are in the same place. Let's just close our eyes right now. Father in heaven. We just thank you for your love and grace, which is here today. And just while your eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want you right now to just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bring to mind people where I'm holding an offense against, people where, Lord, I've met their failure. Instead of wanting to have a relationship, I've wanted to be right, and I've built a wall of judgment and coldness. And, Lord, I've come under law. Lord, show me who those people are. Bring it back to mind right now. Show me, Lord, who I need to actually, I need to repent and release forgiveness and start to bless the person, start to show love and kindness to them.
Our relationships disintegrate when we become hurt and offended. It can be a simple thing. They weren't grateful. We gave and they didn't say thank you. And instead of us just thanking the Lord and, and knowing God understands and God rewards us, we wanted them to say thank you. We wanted them to acknowledge. And then we become offended when they didn't. Oh, you're so ungrateful. The judgment in our heart rose up. Oh, just such a person. And judgment rose up. Do you want to be that kind of person? You're better than that. God's called you to be a child of God. So why don't you make a decision right now in your heart. Father, I repent. I have harbored judgment, self-righteousness. I've wanted to be right. Pride. I've built walls in my heart. I haven't demonstrated the love you want to demonstrate. Lord, forgive me. I've forgotten what you did on the cross for me. So, Lord, I come back to the cross. I begin to see Jesus pouring out his life. I hear his words from the cross. Father, forgive them. Lord, I feel ashamed. I haven't been like that. I've hurt my loved ones because I wanted to be right rather than have a relationship. I've hurt my spouse. I've hurt my children. I've judged and found fault and built walls. Lord, forgive me for the pride in my heart, the lack of grace. I humble myself and ask your forgiveness. And ask, Lord, for your grace to be able to go and put these matters right, to go and say them, God has been speaking to me. I am so sorry about my attitude. I was wrong. Father, give me grace to go to people and love them like you would love them. Give me grace to be able to live a life free from judgment and bitterness and offense. Show to me increasingly the love you have for me and help me to minister it to others. I can feel His presence right now hovering over us. God is speaking to many hearts. Who is it that He's speaking about? Is it this child, a son, or a daughter? They've hurt you and disappointed you. Did it ever occur that you should look into your own heart and see what they're experiencing? Whether they meet grace, or you'd rather be right, and now you're trying to convert them and putting pressure on them and driving them further away rather than just loving them. We're not called to judge anyone. We're called to love people. Walk in love as Christ walked in love and gave himself. Well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Spirit of grace and love lives inside you. All you have to do is let when that offense comes and hurt comes, you Say, God, I'm feeling this pain inside me. Everything in me wants to react. Lord, I just bring it to the cross right now. And I'm grateful you forgive me for my own attitudes. Now, Lord, just let your grace arise to just love this person, to see them like you see them. I don't know what they're going through, but uh, they've got pain in their life, and that's why they're behaving so crazily. And so, Lord, I can, I'm going to look past the way they're treating me, and I'm going to look and see the pain and the need they have and, and reach into their heart to help them. I want you just today, if you know God spoke to you, 
about your own heart condition, your tendency to want to be right rather than to love people and embrace them. If God spoke to you about relationships, you need to now put right. You just raise your hand today. Just raise your hand. Oh my, there's so many hands. Father, I thank you that your love and your grace is here. I pray you'd help every believer here to experience more of you and to extend grace to people, to love them and delight in them, enjoy them. Father, pray for healing of relationships that were broken. Wives, if you've judged and found fault in your husband, husband, if you've been neglectful of your wife and insensitive to her needs, very simple thing you could do tonight before you go to bed or after the service or whenever take one another's hand and look into the eyes of your spouse very important to look into their eyes don't look around the room just take both hands hold the hands together and look into her eyes look into his eyes and say honey I am so sorry I was wrong I've hurt you by my words and actions Will you forgive me? Something will happen in your marriage. I did that recently with my wife, stood, looked into her eyes, right into her soul, and asked her to forgive me. She did the same with me, and something happened. We connected in another way that just deeper than we'd connected before. It's such a simple thing to do. Honey, I was wrong. I've hurt you with my words and actions. Please forgive me. I love you. I say, I can't do that. Ask yourself, why can't you? What inside you is stopping you from building relationship? It'll be judgments. It'll be pride for sure. It's always pride. Pride wants to look good. Pride wants people to think well of me. Pride can't admit any mistakes. That God resists the proud. God gives grace to the humble. So God, forgive my pride. I'm just going to humble myself and do this. Something will happen when you do it. I guarantee. Then pray together and hug one another. And start a journey of being open and transparent and connecting. Maybe it's with a child you need to do it. Ask God for wisdom how to do it. But oh my, recently wrote to my son as he was going away. I wrote a very long letter. Because God just showed me areas where, you know, I hadn't protected him. Hadn't spoken affirmation into his heart because it was never spoken into mine. I asked him to forgive me. Told him I loved him. Wrote a list of all the great things I could see in him. I wanted him as he left to leave with great blessing. I did it to my daughter-in-law too. I wonder if there are relationships where you've been so right you've put up with a broken, distant, disconnected relationship. Why don't you humble yourself and stop worrying about being right? Why don't you extend grace instead and humble yourself and ask forgiveness? 
Father, I just thank you that I feel this love and grace just in the church today. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here, for what you've taught us. Help us to just go deep into our heart and become a part of our life, that we would learn from this parable, learn from this story, a great dimension of being able to connect and interact with one another. Let us be under grace and not under law. Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. Amen. Why don't you just give someone a hug next to you? Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church in San Diego. To find out more information, check us out online at c3sandiego.com. Dot com.